Coming up on Tech News Weekly, Jason Howell and I, Micah Sargent, are ready for you. Are you ready for us? Because we've got a great show planned. First, Mike McHugh, that is the CEO and co-founder of Flipboard, joins us to talk about how Flipboard is getting into the Fediverse. That's right. You can flip through some Mastodon stuff. You can check out the Fediverse via Flipboard. I think it's great to have one place to look through all of that. Then, TechCrunch's own Amanda Silberling joins us to talk about a proposed bill that would give President Biden the power to ban TikTok. Not just for government officials, but for everyone in the U.S. After that, we head into our stories of the week. Jason Howell takes the AI beat this week, talking about OpenAI launching an API for ChatGPT and some other apps that are getting into the AI game by way of OpenAI's own ChatGPT. I round things out with a story and a demo of Jack Dorsey's Blue Sky, its take on Twitter. All of that coming up on Tech News Weekly. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Tech News Weekly, episode 275, recorded Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. This episode of Tech News Weekly is brought to you by Dell, client solutions devices orchestrated by the experts at CDW, which deliver a more personalized user experience with adaptive AI-based software that boosts collaboration wherever your team works. Learn more at cdw.com slash Dell client. And by Collide. Collide is a device trust solution that ensures that if a device isn't secure, it can't access your apps. It's zero trust for Okta. Visit collide.com slash TNW and book a demo today. Hello and welcome to Tech News Weekly, the show where every week we talk to and about the people making and breaking the tech news. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent. I'm the other guy, Jason Howell, taking a look at our topics today. We've got AI, we've got the Fediverse, we've got TikTok in the U.S. We're all over the board, we're all over the map. This is awesome. It's modern (laughs) times and we're doing it today on Tech News Weekly. This is how we do it. All right, so let's jump right in. Let's do it. Uh, If you hadn't heard, Flipboard is getting into the Fediverse, speaking of the Fediverse, in a big way. The news reading app uh, has had the ability to flip through Twitter timelines in the past, of course, and now they've added support for Mastodon in the app, and not just support for, like, syncing your your Mastodon account. Uh, It goes much further than that. So really interesting stuff. Joining us to talk about this new direction for Flipboard is none other than co-founder and CEO Mike McHugh. Welcome to the show and the network, Mike. That's great to be here. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, of course. I'm thrilled to be able to get you on the show. We were talking about um, this news yesterday. I was filling in for Stacey Higginbotham on This Week in Google. Everybody was super excited about it. And so the idea of bringing you on to TNW kind of came up during that show. And I love it when the idea meets with reality. So it's great to have you here. Um, let's uh, let's kind of get into what this is all about. But before we get into kind of like the feature set and, and the actual news here, what has been your own personal experience on maybe this past year? Because we've all had a little bit of turbulence this past year when it comes to Twitter. And then, of course, you know, kind of checking out the Fediverse and, and Mastodon, all this stuff. Um, what, what's been your experience? Well, it's been an experience of learning um, and inspiration. Um, I haven't seen anything this exciting since the earliest days of the of the web. 
Uh, I think this is a big deal. And, uh, you know, initially just started with like, hey, I'm going to check out this Mastodon thing. You know, Casey Newton mentioned he's going to be going doing more on Mastodon. So I was like, okay, I need to I need to go check this out, Um, you know. And uh, so I did. And I was first of all, I had that same aha feeling that a lot of people have where it's just kind of a intimate, more genuine place where people are kind of just normal and real. And I love that feeling. Right. And then. When I looked under the hood and I was trying to understand, okay, what is going on here? I started to learn more about Activity Pub and the Fediverse more broadly. And I was like, wait a second, this is this is a much bigger thing than just an alternative to Twitter, which is kind of how I think most people, you know, think of Mastodon. Mastodon is actually just the first step in a much larger, it's it's one part of a much larger thing that I think will transform the web itself. And transform apps and services like Flipboard. So tell us a little bit about um, what you guys have announced. You've announced some Mastodon integration into the app. Like I said in the the kind of setup, before you could sync your Twitter account and flip through that. Um, so this is a piece of it. We're going to get you know more into the other pieces of this. But talk about that, that component first of all. How does a Mastodon uh, account integrate with Flipboard uh, right now? Yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, so we, you know... Our- I thought, okay, well, is there a way for us to make, you know, it easy for people who are using Flipboard and may have heard of Mastodon to, you know, start to explore it and try it out and see what it's like? Um, And then also, like, is there a way for us to, you know, for people who already have a Mastodon account to actually, you know, see it in their Flipboard? So that is something that, you know, we had already done an integration similar to that went in Flipboard 1.0, where we had integrated with the Twitter API. And so initially, every single thing you saw on your Flipboard was actually a tweet. And it was amazing, right, um, for, for the experience. So then we thought, okay, can we do that same thing here with Mastodon? They have a fantastic API. Eugene, who, who, who created Mastodon, has done amazing work on that. And so we were able to integrate that API pretty readily um, and, and get it to, you know, into a beta form and get it out to our users. Nice. So if so, if a user has a Mastodon uh, account uh, somewhere already, they can basically sync that account inside a Flipboard in a similar way that they they could have done with their Twitter account, right? That's kind of like first step. Exactly, and and it's it's about like it's not we're not trying to be like a full blown Mastodon client, right? Like I use right. Ivory, I love Ivory. You know, Ice Cubes is really cool. I I love the Mastodon website, just a straight up website that I use all the time. Um, but this is a way to like, you know, when I'm using Flipboard, I'm looking at about content for my interests and being able to like jump in and see content from Mastodon uh, right in my Flipboard and being able to interact with people right there without having to go over to a different app. It's it's a really seamless experience. And it it makes Mastodon feel a little, it's a different look and feel, right? Uh, right. It's more of a magazine-like feel, um, like flipping through pages of a Mastodon magazine. And, of course, you know, what we haven't addressed yet, which is, you know, possibly even a bigger news as far as this is concerned, because I think by reading through your announcement post on this uh, this week, 
kind of seems like maybe you're alluding to, you know, you not being the only company to think about doing this, you know, potentially uh, long term, more companies actually creating their own Mastodon instance, which, of course, you have had uh, you have done. Uh, Tell us what people need to know to kind of get started and and kind of what that's all about, what the thinking was behind uh, creating your own instance. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do is provide our our users at Flipboard an easy, reliable place to go um, to start exploring the Fediverse. So we created Flipboard.social, which is our own Fediverse instance. Um, and um, it's on an invite basis to start with. Um, and uh, and we're, we're, we're particularly interested in curators, people who've been curating magazines on Flipboard. Uh, and getting them to be able to explore the Fediverse if they want and sharing some of the curation that they've been doing on Flipboard with people in the Fediverse. So, um, so yeah, these things work hand in hand to make it easier for our users and our curators to basically, you know, get it, get signed up for Mastodon. We, we actually connect your Mastodon account to your Flipboard account, right? So, um, so there's a connection there on Flipboard.social. And, um, and and we're going to keep building on that. Yeah, I think what strikes me about this is the paradigm so far before the last, you know, couple of years with the kind of the, the rise of the Fediverse um, has been, you know, when you're talking about Twitter, you know, it's it's a privately owned company. You know, I, well, OK, it's a public company, but you as an app you know, developer as a creator of this service, you have only limited control over what you can even do with Twitter. And we're seeing the effects of that now, you know, on Musk, you know, clamping down on, on the API and all of the reverberations of that. And we can talk about that here in a moment, as far as how that'll impact you guys at Flipboard. But, um, having your own Mastodon instance really puts a lot of the control in your hands. So it's almost like it allows you to craft the entire experience and not be so reliant on another, like a third party uh, in order to provide the complete experience. Yeah. I, you said it perfectly, right? I mean, this is, this is the power of, of a federated model. And I, I think it's, this is, this is again, um, you know, one of the most exciting things I've seen since the web, um, you know, it used to be AOL, right? I don't know, were you on AOL or CompuServe or, you know? <laughs> right, uh, AOL, yeah. And, For you, sure. you know, and you didn't have any control over that, you know? No. And, you know, if the business wanted to be on AOL, they had to go cut a business development deal with AOL, right? Um, the web basically set it up so anyone could build a website and they were all connected together. And, you know, you didn't have to go through some like corporation to somehow go online. Right. It was so, so that's happening now with, with Twitter and not just with Twitter. I think this is happening across every type of social related service that we use today. And it's going to open up an opportunity for totally new kinds of ways to integrate people and content in ways that we can't even think of right now. Um, so this is much bigger than just a, hey, you know, Twitter alternative. It's a, just, an, this is this is much, much bigger than that. And it, you know, the, the, there's been a group of people working on this since, I don't know, 2016, you know, building ActivityPub, building Mastodon, um, and, and building out this broader concept of the Fediverse. Um, this is, you know, it's absolutely huge. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the really big challenges here uh, in kind of 
bringing this community into an app like yours or any any app, any, anyone that's that's looking to do this, there's always the big challenge, that big uh, hill to climb when it comes to moderation. Uh, such a you know, so much conversation happening right now around good moderate. You know, what is effective good moderation? What's overstepping boundaries? What's uh, you know what's needed and what's required on your end to successfully moderate? How are you guys going to approach that with Flipboard.social? Yeah, well, that's a big question. I, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, we're learning, you know, I, I'd say we're learning, right, along with everyone else. But there's a few things, observations that we've had um, right out of the gate. First, the power of decentralized moder- moderation is is a really big concept. Um, yes, we are moderating Flipboard.social. But, you know, we started with a list that was like crowdsourced by a lot of other moderators of a lot of other instances to prevent, you know, bad actors from getting into Flipboard.social, you know, Nazis yeah. and the like, right? So, so that's a great thing, right? We're collaborating to moderate the broader Fediverse. It's not just one company doing that, right? The other thing is like, hey, every every instance can set its own moderation rules, right? And so if you don't like the way moderation is happening in one scenario, you can go to a different instance. There's there's choice and diversity, and that's huge, right? So maybe you want a more, you know, uh, intensive debate, you know, heavy back and forth with people. You know, there's going to be instances where that's what it's going to be all about. And then there's going to be others where it's going to be, you know, maybe more oriented around sharing photographs, right? And um, so I think that the moderation, though, is all happening at like a, at a common layer. And that, I think, is going to make it a lot more feasible. And, and you know, it's not going to be perfect. There's a lot of innovation still to do here. But I think it's got a better shot at creating a, a good quality social experience than just relying on companies to do the moderation. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it goes back to kind of putting, putting the control of that experience into your hands, into the creator of this experience's hands. Uh, and that's, I think ultimately a, a better thing. What happens though? Cause, cause right now this, this whole Fediverse Mastodon, you know, uh, Twitter backlash, like this is a very now thing when this, kind of settles a little bit. And I feel like, I feel like in the last couple of months, things have settled down a little bit. Things have maybe slowed a little bit when it comes to the Fediverse excitement. I'm not saying that people are moving away. You know, some people are kind of pointing at it and be like, oh, see, it's, it's failing. I don't believe that at all. I see a ton of activity in my, in my uh, Mastodon view. Uh, but what happens if all this energy slows to a crawl? What happens then? Um, I don't think that's what's going to happen. And yeah. everything that I've seen since October, um, when I really started getting um, into the Fediverse and Mastodon is that uh, it's accelerating massively. I, I, I think the genie is out of the bottle here. You know, it's ironic that, you know, it was Elon over at Twitter that let that genie out of the bottle <laughs> where mm. now all of a sudden there's a lot of awareness and adoption. People will start to realize this is much bigger than just a Twitter alternative. And as they do, and they already are, this is happening. This yeah. is, you can see the best product minds and engineers are at work on this right now. They, they are not going away. You know, they're the empire took over Twitter and these guys are like, they're going to take it back and not just take it back, but they're going to create, they're going to open up the whole thing. Um, so that was the spark that created, I think more awareness around Macedon, but it was just the beginning and there's so much more coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Um, 
we've got time for one last question. So I think I, I need to ask you, like, what, you know, when you when you say more coming, like, what does that look like for your efforts at Flipboard and your integration? You know, you're integrating your own Fediverse, your own, um, you know, uh, I'm sorry, suddenly I'm blanking. Uh, I want to I want to plug it. Flipboard dot social. There we go. Yeah, um, Right, right, right. So, okay. So, what is next? Like, what what yeah. can you see looking looking down the line? What are you yeah. excited about? Well, I'm excited about some of the players right now that have already said expressed interest in Activity Pub, right? So, Medium, um, Tumblr, um, WordPress. Uh, so, just like look at those, right? And imagine a federated world where people on Mastodon can follow people on Medium. Um, people who leave a comment on a blog on WordPress can have that blog reflected back to Medium or to Mastodon or to Flipboard, right? We're all going to ultimately start to have this kind of common social graph that we'll be using as sort of the fundamental social layer across every single website and social experience that that we use, maybe with the exception of some of the ones of companies that are going to try to continue to be walled gardens, right? They're going to, sure. they're not going to want to tear down their walls, but, you know, companies that really understand the power of open um, I think are going to, you know, tear down their walls and they're going to open up to activity pub um, and they're going to federate with these other services. And that's going to be the initial thing I think you're going to see. And then you're going to see a whole new wave of totally new things that we've never even seen before that will come on built on activity pub. Right. So, I mean, who knew that you could do email as a website, right? Like mm. that happened on the web, Right. There's going to be like mind blowing things that are going to happen here uh, in the coming months and years. This is like a decade worth of very powerful, disruptive innovation. Cool. And I love to see uh, you guys uh, committing to it wholeheartedly uh, the way you are. Mike McHugh is the co-founder and CEO of Flipboard. It's awesome getting the chance to have you on the show. So thank you for hopping on today, especially on such short notice. You found out about this late last night. So we really appreciate it. On Mastodon. (laughs) On Mastodon. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you. I I emailed, we emailed a number of ways and then, uh, and Pruitt, uh, sent out a a DM on Mastodon. Of course, that was the one that you saw. So take, you know, there's the proofs in the pudding. Thank you again, Mike. If people want to find you on Mastodon, where can they find you? Uh, I'm going to be Mike M at flipboard.social. Um, and, uh, so yep. Follow me there. (laughs) Right on. Thank you, Mike. Have a wonderful afternoon. It's great talking. Thank you. you. Bye guys. All right. Good luck. Bye Bye. 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 All right, up next, TikTok facing a potential total ban here in the U.S. It's it's getting real. This is really interesting. But first, this episode of Tech News Weekly is brought to you by Dell Client Solutions Devices, orchestrated by the experts at CDW. The people at CDW, they understand, they get that your unique workforce has unique needs for their devices, especially as we're all continuing this hybrid work uh, reality that we're in. It's a challenge for IT to supply those devices that can meet everyone's needs everywhere they work uh, so that they can stay connected throughout the day. Well, luckily, CDW can help custom configure Dell client solutions devices for a more personalized user experience. And what this actually means is that your workforce gets adaptability for performance uh, with AI-based software that actually learns how your team works and then using those AI smarts optimizes the workflows. And check this out. Dell 
Client Solutions devices have intelligent noise detection and cancellation along with high-quality video that adjusts with your lighting. Pretty amazing. This fleet of devices is really just fantastic because wherever your team works, its built-in security responds to malicious attacks, providing a secure way to boost collaboration and boost uh, productivity from anywhere. When it comes to seamless experiences, Dell Systems makes adaptive performance possible. CDW makes it powerful. You can learn more about all of this at cdw.com slash Dell Client. Check it out, and we thank CDW and, uh, and Dell for their support of Tech News Weekly. All right. So um, you may or may not have heard about a bill making its way through uh, the leadership right now uh, surrounding a little app that some of you may have heard about called TikTok. Joining us today to talk about what's going on with TikTok and a potential ban is TechCrunch's own Amanda Silberling. Welcome back to the show, Amanda. Hello. It is always nice to be on the show. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing well, and it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, So let's dig right into this. Can you start by telling us a little about the, quote, Deterring America's Technological Adversaries Act, or the Data Act? Who introduced it? What was the voting up to this point? And kind of where are we in terms of the Data Act? So this act was introduced late last week by Representative Michael McCall, who is the committee chair in the House of Representatives Foreign Affairs Committee. And legislation can take a long time, but this has been very quick. It was marked up in committee on Tuesday, and then yesterday it went to a vote, and it voted to keep going, going to the House, Senate, I mean, like, it takes a lot for a bill to get passed, and this is just one step, but it is notable that this is a bill that could just completely ban TikTok in the U.S. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, and this is this is the thing about it. TikTok is already banned in some instances. We saw um, folks talking about how different government officials were being instructed on when they needed to start removing TikTok from their devices. And, uh, you know, there's sort of a run up to when that happened. Um, so this bill takes things further than just government uh, issued devices. Right. This is about more than just that. Yeah, this is about just like you and me, if we have TikTok on our phones, will we be able to use TikTok anymore? Wow. Yeah, that's a big, <laughs> that's a big difference. And <laughs> it does, it makes me wonder, um, you know, as this bill is making it through, uh, you mentioned that it's cleared through the uh, U.S. House Foreign Affairs Committee. And for folks who don't kind of understand the process um, of how a bill is making its way through and the different committees that are involved, what's the significance of it making it through this committee? Is this kind of one of the big ones that would be involved? What? Uh, why is it that this has kind of led to the reporting about the bill? So the Foreign Affairs Committee definitely has a big role in foreign affairs, as the <laughs> name would suggest. And um, this vote was very divided along party lines. Um, all the Democrats voted no. 
And so what this means is that when legislation is introduced, it often will go through these committees that then they'll like as a committee have the opportunity to work together on this, refine it, kind of figure out like how can parties agree if it's a uh, divisive issue. And so what it means that it passed this committee is that now it can go forward and be voted on in the House at large and then potentially then from there it would have to go to the Senate and then to Biden himself. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of, this is happening really quickly, but given that the legislation is very divided on party lines right now, since the Senate does have a Democratic majority, it probably wouldn't get through the Senate. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say TikTok is going to be banned next month, but Clearly, there is progress being made for people that think that no American should be using TikTok. Yeah. And going back to what you said, you said it uh, quickly made it through. Um, Can you tell us more about that? Is it because there's clearly a sort of a fast track on this? Um, Is it? Just TikTok specifically, what is it, um, you know, the, the tech bills tend to do well and making it through the through uh, the house or why do we think that um, this bill in particular kind of had that fast track and that it didn't have to sit there for a while before they got to it? I'm not positive on that, but I would guess that because it was written by the chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee, There's Mm -hmm. some sway there, and I think this is also an issue that has been pretty hot in the government. Um, But yeah, I mean, you asked sort of like, is this just TikTok? And that's not the case. Um, The ACLU actually put out a letter urging people to vote no on it because Mm -hmm. they're worried that, I mean, for one thing, like what would be the implications of banning TikTok on like access to information and freedom of speech, et cetera. But also, like, does the language in this bill give the president license to ban other foreign apps? And what are the implications of that? And there, I think in part because the bill was so rushed, there seems to be concerns that it's vague or that Uh it might be applied in unintended ways. Yeah, very open-ended, potentially. Now, I'm going to ask you a question that is uh, an incredibly complex issue. And, you know, with that understanding, um, as I'm also telling all of our listeners out there, I am not expecting that today we are going to solve uh, world hunger and, uh, (laughs) you know, have peace around the world in asking this. But I want to get your take because you are a tech journalist who is paying attention to this stuff. I mean, we have you on the show uh, regularly because you're always reporting um, on on situations like this. And so um, I'm curious if you with with the knowledge that you have um, are able to kind of explain the concern and the fear that the U.S. government has about TikTok in particular. You know, how does an app that is made by a Chinese company differ from the loads of hardware, you know, the products, the services that are made in China? And why do we think that this the fear is so specific to this app? Because we've been hearing about TikTok bans for quite some time and TikTok concerns. And it's just, it it seems like it's so much of a focus. And I'm curious your take on why that is the case. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good question because as you put it, it's like, why are we worried about TikTok, but then maybe not necessarily as worried about all of the tech that gets made in China and like, does that have any sort of like ransomware on it or whatever? Like that could be something that would potentially be a concern if people are concerned about things that are coming from China. But I think TikTok is sort of a convenient and easy target for uh, this growing uh, like anti-China sentiment that is taking hold among government officials and just people in America generally, where because TikTok is owned by ByteDance, which is a private Chinese company, people worry that already TikTok sort of has this reputation for being like a big black box algorithm where who knows how the For You page works. And (laughs) there's uh, so there's concern that even though TikTok itself has a U.S.-based company that is subject to U.S. laws. That company is then owned by ByteDance, and it is not really clear whether the Chinese government can interfere with Chinese-owned tech companies. Like, this is literally something that, like, as I was writing this article, I was, like, texting my friend who studies this in a grad program, like, how does this work? And he was like, yeah, this is what I'm getting my degree in. And I'm like, yeah, this is really complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's difficult. And I think that um, it it seems as if the reaction has been because it's difficult, because there's confusion, um, then we are just, you know, thinking about shutting it down. What fascinates me, and it's something that you uh, touched on in when I was talking to you about this, um, the popularity among youth uh, with this application in particular and the concern that surrounds that. I, I mean, when we think too about the, the the folks who are coming up right now versus um, those of us who are older and then those of us who are older than, than you and I talking here, it's um, far more of an international, internationally minded uh, group that is growing up because the internet, of course, has given them even more ability to reach across uh, the the borders and 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 exist in this sort of global space. And I wonder about the kind of fear that uh, the government has there in terms of of that exposure. And when the ACLU is kind of going, hey, you know, if we've got this. Um, if we've got this block that then uh, is vague and could get us cutting ourselves off from other groups and suddenly, you know, you're not able to check out apps from any place outside of the U.S. Yeah, that is concerning. And I guess, you know, can you in looking through this um, one question that I had is the government decision to stop TikTok on government devices was that a matter of law or was that a matter of we're the government and so we can say to our employees, no TikTok? And then did this potential full ban on TikTok for citizens and everybody else, was that kind of, and I know this is kind of a hard question to answer again, was that born of the decision to limit the government or was it more like we've always wanted to ban TikTok for everybody but at least for now, we can stop government um, employees from using it. 
I think that this issue has just escalated uh, in the past week. Even uh, Canada and the European Commission both enacted similar uh similar rules for government employees where if you're using a government issued phone you can't have TikTok on it and yeah as you said like i think there's particular concern about TikTok being so popular among young people and like are young people's minds being riddled by social media which i mean this is something that there's been so many senate hearings on particularly looking at like instagram and other platforms too but I think that social media and teen safety is a big issue right now. Like even Biden mentioned it in the State of the Union address. Um, But I think it's kind of separate, the issue of this being on government employees' phones versus this being on a random citizen's phone. Because Mm -hmm. while we don't have any evidence of the Chinese government getting data from American TikTok users. There has been reporting that shows that ByteDance employees have accessed American data, which um, is not supposed to be happening. And there is a line between ByteDance employee and Chinese government. But I think just as a precaution, these governments in the U.S. and Canada and in Europe have been taking this precaution because just on the off chance of what if there is something nefarious going on, it would be very bad if someone's personal data who works for the government was accessed abroad. But there isn't any like hard evidence that the Chinese government is like looking on Joe Biden's phone or something. Right, right. Um, okay, last question here, uh, potentially. Um, how has TikTok <laughs> itself responded to this bill and the other recent bans? Because obviously, it's not just a one-sided conversation here. TikTok, as you mentioned, has its American-based company. Um, what are they saying <laughs> about all of this? Obviously, I'm sure they're going, why are you doing this? But what, what in, in more depth are they saying to try and maybe curb some of this? Yeah, TikTok has been just reaffirming the fact that TikTok is a United States company and that company is owned by ByteDance, which is a privately owned company based in China, not a company that is owned by the Chinese government, which is a misconception that I think is being really misconstrued due to these concerns about Chinese government interference And then the question of Chinese government interference in private Chinese companies is just a whole other question that, like, we don't really have a clear answer to. But so TikTok has just been reminding people that, um, like, the Chinese government has not accessed user data in the U.S. Um, They've said that if the Chinese government was like, hey, can you give us that data? They would say no. And they also have been reminding people that uh, TikTok is or ByteDance is owned by international stakeholders and employees as well. It's not like a monolithic uh, private company owned by one person like Twitter. (laughs) But even Mm -hmm. then, I mean, Twitter is not owned. I mean, like other people have stakeholders have stakes in Twitter. So it's not that simple. And I mean, there's so much complicated, like, international business 
uh, things happening at play here that make it very hard to speculate on, is this true? Is this happening? Is this not happening? But I think that while it's not a big sacrifice for government employees on their government phones to not have an app, it is a much different conversation when we're talking about all people in a country not having access to a very popular social network where people are sharing information. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, um, Amanda, I want to thank you so much for your time today, for digging into this, uh, for talking to your friend who's literally getting a degree <laughs> in this stuff right now. Um, I always appreciate your your writing. And of course, folks can head to techcrunch.com to check it out. Uh, if they want to follow you online and stay up to date with your work, where should they go to do so? I am still kicking on Twitter um, on like I caught the end of the last segment on Mastodon. So I I unfortunately am still on the bird app at a silb rights, just a S I L B rights, the verb to write. Um, and then I have a podcast. Wow. If true, which is an Internet culture podcast that also from my perspective as a tech journalist gets a bit more into the details than just Internet weird. However, Internet is weird. love it love it thank you for your time thank you all righty folks up next it's time i know you've been waiting for the ai story but first this episode of tech news weekly is brought to you by collide collide is a device trust solution that ensures unsecured devices can't access your apps. Collide has some big news, by the way. If you're an Okta user, Collide can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. See, Collide patches one of the major holes in zero trust architecture. It's device compliance. Think about it. Your identity provider only lets known devices log into apps, but just because a device is known doesn't mean it's in a secure state. In fact, plenty of the devices in your fleet probably shouldn't be trusted. Maybe they're running an out-of-date OS version, or maybe they've got unencrypted credentials lying around. If a device isn't compliant or isn't running the Collide agent, it can't access the organization's SaaS apps or other resources. The device user can't log into your company's cloud apps until they've fixed the problem on their end. It's that simple. For example, a device will be blocked if an employee doesn't have an up-to-date browser. Using end-user remediation helps drive your fleet to 100% compliance without overwhelming your IT team. Without Collide, IT teams have no way to solve these compliance issues or stop insecure devices from logging in. With Collide, you can set and enforce compliance across your entire fleet both Mac and Windows, and also Linux. Collide is unique in that it makes device compliance part of the authentication process. When a user logs in with Okta, Collide alerts them to compliance issues and prevents unsecured devices from logging in. It's security you can feel good about because Collide puts transparency and respect for users at the center of the product. To sum it up, Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly... That very coveted uh, thing, which is 100% fleet compliance. Visit collide.com slash TNW to learn more or book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash TNW. Thank you, Collide, for sponsoring this week's episode of Tech News Weekly. All right, we are back with the show and it's time for Jason Howell's Story of the Week. 
All right, I'm the one. I did it. I brought uh, AI into today's show. I can't help it, though. <laughs> Look, the news just happens. ChatGPT, uh, which we've talked about many times at this point, rolled on the scene now a handful of months ago, and that time has practically become a household name. Uh, that's a big opportunity for the company, OpenAI, uh, which happens to be an SF-based company, by the way, uh, that developed this text writing AI engine. So things are about to get a whole lot chat gpt or ear <laughs> chat gpt ear. I don't know what the word is. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to make it up as I go here. First, remember uh, last month that the company announced premium service, right? And I think we may have even talked about that, ChatGPT+. Plus. Well, mm-hmm. this week, OpenAI announced an API for the service. So this is actually really, really big news. I think what this means is you're going to start seeing it everywhere. This is going to enable businesses to uh, rope ChatGPT into their own apps, their sites, their products, their services, particularly while it's such a hot button item right now. ChatGPT probably going to be everywhere as, as a result of this. Um, the API is powered by the same model that drives the ChatGPT tool that everyone's used by now. But it's kind of like a turbocharged version of it. I think they call it chat or GPT 3.5 turbo. Uh, they say it's the most powerful model uh, for text generation. It's optimized and more responsive um, than the service that everybody's been using. So, which, I mean, I guess kind of makes sense, right? Like if businesses are, are paying to have access to this API and wanting to put it into their apps, they're going to have needs. They're going to have certain demands that are required uh, in order to kind of meet the, you know, meet the standard that they're looking for within their app. And then of course, you know, ChatGPT or rather OpenAI uh, has the potential to make uh, some good money if they make it in, in, if they kind of incentivize it, right? Um, right now, the price, the cost would be 0.002 cents per thousand tokens, thousand tokens around 750 words, just to give you an idea. So what does this actually mean as far as what we're going to start seeing? You're seeing some of the examples in the article, if you're watching the video version of this, um, there were four that I could see four kind of prime uh, uh, examples of companies that we know of that are already starting to integrate the API. Snap is the first example. They actually earlier this week announced My AI, a chatbot for Snapchat Plus subscribers. So these are um, Snapchat users who pay $3.99 a month uh, to do the service. This is a chatbot that stays pinned at the top of the chat tab um, so when you're in there chatting with people, you have access to this chat bot. It offers help in a number of different ways. So, you know, you could be looking for birthday gift ideas or you could be needing to, you know, absolutely needing to write that haiku for your friend uh, and wanting help or answering a trivia question. Whatever, whatever the case may be, this chat bot is kind of there uh, waiting to be asked. And uh, I thought this was really interesting. Maybe maybe you'll find this amusing too, Micah. Um, Snapchat apologized in advance when it launched this feature, basically saying that chat box, chatbots like this have, quote, many deficiencies and uh, can be tricked into saying pretty much anything. So they're, they're obviously taking a look at what happened with the Bing integration <laughs> yes. and getting ahead of that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so. good because th- this is... Um Something that I, I saw recently, there was a great piece, and I wish I could remember where I saw it, but it was talking about how people are um, 
every time it's people prodding the system into coming out with these responses. And of course, if you prod it into doing, I mean, let me be clear. We should be testing it. We should be uh, prodding it. We should be trying to see what it can do, what it can't do. But I think that in doing that, it needs to be made very clear that that's what's happening because people, (laughs) people just many just read the headline and they don't see the rest of it. And the rest of it is the part where it's like, oh yeah, I spent 15 minutes trying to get this thing to say it was going to kill me. And then it said it. And also I didn't die because it can't actually kill me. And so (laughs) we've got to like, all of that needs to be in there. And totally true. If you, if you poke the bear, the bear will, in theory, eventually poke back, but it's not a bear. Yeah. That's the thing. It's it's a it's a, a bear made entirely of cotton balls, and its, it's teeth are made of of cotton candy. So you just pull the water on there and they dissolve. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's all fake. It's it may, it might not be a bear, but it could write a killer story about a bear. Uh, <laughs> about a bear so. made of cotton candy and cotton balls. Yeah, there you, you know go. What? Oh, I'm wow, doing I it can, now. Yes, this needs to happen now. <laughs> We'll have to read it on next week's show. Uh, so Snapchat, uh, Snap, one example. Quizlet, uh, for those of you who have you know used the site for studying, it's kind of like a, an assisted studying, kind of like flashcard-ish uh, site and service, is going to have a chat virtual tutor, um, so an AI-powered uh, powered tutor that instead of just giving the – I think this is really cool. Instead of giving a user the answer, right? Like if you're a tutor and you're working with someone – they don't if they answer the wrong the answer incorrectly as a tutor like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be like no the answer is six like the idea of a tutor is to get that person to a point to where they can figure it out consistently on their own so that they actually learn through the process and so this chat bot that's kind of the idea here instead of just giving the answer um, it's really about kind of giving an explanation that can help lead the user to an answer for themselves. That seems really powerful um, if, it, if it works well for Quizlet. And I could see that working really well. I the, love, so, yeah. oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was just going to say no, leading no. someone to the answer, I think is really good. And I also like yeah. the idea of getting feedback on how you're asking a question. The other day I was trying to get an answer. And so I actually said, Here's what I wanted you to say. What do what was it that I needed to have said in order to get this response? And then the there. bot, uh, yeah, the chat GPT provided some suggestions, um, but it didn't do a very good job. So I would love to see that improve, basically, so that I know how best to communicate. Yeah, love it. Uh, and then we've got two that are very similar. Instacart uh, is using ChatGPT in the app experience to help users with um, things like grocery items, recipes, meal planning, nutrition, inspiration, um, things like, you know, how do I make a great fish taco or what's a healthy lunch for my kids? These things that if you're if you're already using ChatGPT, these are these are questions that you could give it already right now and it would come up with pretty fantastic answers. So it makes perfect sense that it would be integrated in something uh, like Instacart. Also, Shopify, um, its consumer app shop is going to launch a chatbot that's very similar to what Instacart um, offers on informing shopping decisions. So that could be really helpful. You know, so I think what this what this shows is these kinds of things, these kind of chatbots, if you haven't already seen chat chatbots or maybe you have and like like me have kind of written them off because you know historically speaking in the last few years that I've ever turned to a chatbot 
it's like like it's obvious mm-hmm. it's a chat bot. It doesn't give me a whole lot of valuable information. It's more annoying than it is helpful for me personally. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And it's like, why did I waste my time on this? Uh, and so I stopped using him. Now I, I might actually try, you know, and, and we'll see if I can kind of rewrite that legacy code in my brain. Um, but the API uh, allows for getting very specific with the metadata behind the requests. So this is to better craft um, the responses, hopefully tame them, um, hopefully avoid some of the downfalls of the things like the Bing integration. They've got their own markup language, chat ML, um, does all of this stuff behind the scenes to really kind of tailor and, and inform the chatbot's um, responses more specifically to the role that it plays within that particular app or service. Um, so, yeah, it gives uh, developers the ability to stay with older versions as well. So if a, a developer of an app is using the API and they don't want to move to the new API because the old API is working for whatever reason, they, they want to stick with it. Um, the last model, you know, is, is doing doing the trick, then um, they can. So, uh, yeah, I think all this just means is we're going to start seeing a whole lot more of these um, all over the place. And I should also point out that, you know, we talked a little bit about something kind of like this a couple of weeks ago. We spoke with Michael K from OkCupid, um, who was using ChatGPT to write some of the questions for the dating app. This is a little different. Mm-hmm. This is like tapping into the API to do that on an automatic basis. So maybe, you know, maybe OkCupid doesn't have to, you know, officially like craft them specifically. Maybe they can work on a chatbot that actually does this on the fly. I'm not saying that they are doing that. I'm just saying this would be one thing that an API like this could power. So uh, interesting stuff. Prepare for your chatbot future because they're coming for your apps. It's happening. (laughs) It's happening. (laughs) So that's all I got. All right. Well, um, my story of the week is about a little app called Blue Sky. Um, So, Jack Dorsey long ago, uh, while still, you know, doing the Twitter thing, mentioned that mentioned a future that he saw where there was a not a, a, a social media that was not connected to a centralized unit, basically a decentralized social media service. And he felt like it would need to be built on a protocol and that it would, you know, need to exist as sort of independent states. And then uh, everybody kind of said, well, there is something like that. It's Mastodon, um, along with other uh, other social media services that are built on the, and I'm trying to remember the name of it now, the uh, Activity Pub standard. There you go. Yeah. And so this, the whole idea is you've got this Fediverse of interconnected servers that can all communicate with one another and Mastodon took off. But even though that was happening, uh, Blue Sky was still sort of being worked on internally while um, it says, uh, while uh, Twitter was still kind of footing the bill for uh, Blue Sky until the Musk acquisition, in which case that changed. So um, lo and behold, uh, a couple of days ago, TechCrunch uh, posted a story about Blue Sky actually hitting the App Store. And it's currently invite only. Um and so people will occasionally get invites and get to join the app to see what it's about. Um, but what's fascinating to me, I think, about this is that it is not using ActivityPub, which is at this point, a uh, as the TechCrunch article points out, a W3C standard. So the Fediverse has existed for some time. 
it has, uh, that protocol has been there for some time and it's kind of a blessed protocol at this point that a lot of people are using, but, uh, blue sky exists on a protocol called AT that was originally called ADX and stands for authenticated transfer protocol. And with the authenticated transfer protocol, it, uh, works kind of the, in a very similar way. You're not tied down to a specific, um, Uh, you're not tied down to a specific account or anything like that. You can uh, at any time switch to a different server or domain, I think is what uh, they're calling it. And, or no, they're calling it a network rather. So you can switch from network to network and get to bring along your followers and all that kind of thing. Um, But it feels a lot like what Mastodon is doing. So it's been really interesting, I think, to see what makes it, what is going to make it potentially uh, something that people will use if we've already got this system that's out there or if one or the other will cave? If, you know, instead of uh, using ActivityPub, uh, they switch to, people start switching to AD, AT, rather, they're just calling it AT now, or vice versa, that um, Blue Sky will eventually not do the authenticated transfer protocol and will just be kind of part of uh, the system. So, um, I did end up getting, um, uh, get access to the app and I wanted to show what it's like here. So if you've ever used Twitter, it's going to look pretty familiar to you, although it is quite simplified. Um, there aren't any hashtags on the platform. And in fact, um, I asked right now because there are so few people on there, I can actually talk to people who are on the team building this right now, um, wow, which reminds me, you, I need, to, I need, I need like, to send a message to Jack so I can finally get a reply from Jack while there still aren't there so many you go. people. Um, but with this, uh, it's been kind of cool, you know, seeing them respond almost in real time about uh, how everything is working, what it's doing. And I had posted a hashtag um, with my first post and let me go to my profile here. And uh, I did a Regina Spector quote because, um, or well, lyric, I guess, technically, because it had reference to blue. And then I said, wait, no hashtags. And one of the developers was like, hey, we're thinking about it. We're not sold yet. And then um, one of the the people that's uh, at the forefront, and I can't find Jay now, but Jay was here somewhere and Jay was saying that they were thinking about not doing hashtags because the search on its own can do that. And that's kind of what hashtags were for in the beginning was just to help you find search terms. And I had this moment where I was like, you know what? I'm glad there are no hashtags because frankly, I've only ever used, well, I shouldn't say that because for, I would say 97.832% of the time, I only use hashtags sarcastically, uh, not as if I'm actually trying to, and I think hashtags are goofy and sort of um, dated. And so I immediately, or kind of ugly. I was like, I've always always thought they were ugly. ugly. Like, like they might be useful, but, but sometimes it makes it really hard to see what you want to see. What you want to see the thing. So I got, at the end, I'm like, you know what? It's fine that there are no hashtags. But anyway, um, scrolling through, this is not algorithmically generated. This is just reverse chronological order. Um, The replies are all here. There's threading right now. And as I mentioned, they're adding stuff all the time. But I'm going to hit the little plus button and show you there aren't polls. There aren't, um, Hmm. I don't know, anything else that's there. Uh, 
you can add photos and add a photo to what you're doing. You can type what you want. It's 256 characters right now. They're considering making it a little bit bigger, but not much bigger. Um, and down at the bottom, yeah. exactly. I've got the home page. I've got uh, search. And search does have some like, hey, these are some popular posts or some recent posts that have taken place for people who you're not following. And then I've got notifications. And that's uh, pretty much it. Even in the settings, it's not very involved. Um, you can, you know, do just a, a couple of things here. Um, you may be wondering <laughs> why uh, my username on uh, on this app, Blue Sky, is crispy k-r-s-p-y-y um and that is because so let me be honest here uh there was a great piece about uh, blue sky over on TechCrunch, and in one of the TechCrunch um uh screenshots the uh journalist had not <laughs> blocked out the invite code that they used and so what I wanted to do was hop into the app and just see what it looked like, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to hop in here. I'm going to see if that code works, and then I'm going to get in. I'm going to see what it looks like. I'll be able to talk about it on Tech News Weekly. So I used the code that was available. I got in, but I didn't want to make my account because if I was going to be on there you know, later on, I didn't want it to get deleted whenever they figured out that I was, uh, was you know, imposting, I guess. And so um, I'm using it and going on and whatever. And then I saw someone on there respond to the TechCrunch author and said, hey, I ended up joining because of the code that was in there. And the developers uh, and the the gal that leads the team were all like, oh, that was so clever. We were wondering if anyone was going to end up doing that. And so I responded to them and I was like, I have to be honest with you. That's how I did it. And I, I just have not even set up my profile yet because I thought that you were going to end up kicking me off of here. And they were like, it's honestly no problem at all. As long as you're nice, that's all we care about. That's why we're not bringing a bunch of people in. So... I am huh. in and it was not a not a horrible thing to do. Um, again, I just wanted to go in and look at it so I could, you know, talk yeah. about it today, not end up making an account. But they were cool with that. And so it ended up being fine. But um, yeah, so I'm not super special or anything like that. I didn't get an email saying, hey, join the club. Um, but that is how it works right now. Unfortunately, it is not yet to the stage where you can like join um, and wait you know, till six, the 6,000 people in front of you were able to get in. It's still very much, uh, invite only, but, um, anyway, uh, it's been fun kind of playing around with it. And what's been interesting for me is I've been checking it regularly and I have to be honest, I have not really been doing that with Twitter at all. I've not been doing that with Mastodon at all. So there's something about this in particular that has been sticking with me. And I think one of the things is it doesn't feel so big, and so I'm, you know, I'm regularly seeing things that are from people who I just saw earlier in the day, if that makes sense. When I checked earlier in the day, it's like, oh, I remember them from earlier in the day. Now they're talking about this. So it feels very recent and new and fun. And with Mastodon, I think because I quickly kind of just shifted what I had on Twitter over into Mastodon, 
then there was no kind of reset refresh involved there. And yeah. that made it not as, you know, it's just like, oh, it's a return to the same thing. And if I'm not using Twitter as much, then I'm also not using Mastodon as much. So that's been fast. I'm more, I, you know, I'm not saying that's going to be everybody's experience, but I just wanted to share sort of that mental space that I'm sort of trying to come to terms with and figure out in general uh, as I've been using the app. But uh, it's still very, you know, buggy. There's a lot of stuff there that they're still working on. Um, so I think it'll be a little while before it's uh, fully baked and fully cooked. And I do find it interesting as far as the the fight among the protocols goes. I'm yeah. curious to see how that's all going to play out. Yeah, that's right. kind of a, a big thing. So anyway, um, that is Blue Sky. And if you do go to blueskyweb.xyz, um, they, they have a blog and in the blog, there is an option to join a, uh, wait list. Um, it's not this, like they aren't, they haven't moved along to the wait list yet. They were still in, there's still an invite only stage and then they're going to move on to the wait list where they start bringing people in. They want to get the, um, two things in place. It seems before they start rolling people in, which is, uh, getting, why can't I think of the term now? Whenever you can go in and say, I don't want to see this person's stuff, or you say, uh, like block this person. Block and follow? Moderation, moderation. That's moderation. The oh, okay. um, the blanket term. Yeah, so the, yeah, moderation isn't in there yet. Um, and so that's next before they really start to roll it out, uh, as well as. That's why they wanted to be sure that you were a nice person. Exactly. Yes. Uh, if I had started to say some crummy things, they would have gotten me yeah. out of there, I'm sure, which I sure. respect and appreciate. But the um, other thing is that they are working on, um, and now I've completely forgotten the other one. It's moderation. Oh, and it's uh, they do want to give people the ability to do an algorithmic thing if they want to. So you can you know turn it on and off as you so choose, uh, but they mm. are working on that as well. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, I think it is going to be interesting to see if there is ever um, a conversation or a movement with Blue Sky towards kind of uh, some sort of unification or um, compatibility of some sort with the fe the greater Fediverse, right? Like it still kind of seems like it's over on an island on its own, still kind of doing achieving the same thing but not communicating with all of these other things that, that belong in the, the greater Fediverse, um, you know, uh, things like Mastodon or whatever. So I wonder if they'll ever be kind of be able to communicate between them. But the yeah. app itself, I was not expecting you to show off the app. Um, I was really curious to know kind of how that looks and everything. And it really uh, has a lot of has a lot of similarity to yeah. know, like has a, a lot of Twitter, Twitter app. It. Yeah, has yeah. a lot of Twitter in it. Yeah, look at that. I mean, it really is. So, yeah, I love that it exists, though. I love that, like, this is where we're at right now, that, like, this this energy There's a, around. There's an abundance of happening. options, right? You've got so many yeah. choices, and uh, it does, it's starting to feel like no one social media app has uh, its clutches, uh, you know, and I think that that is good, and that is powerful, um, because it shifts the power dynamic, um, I mean, I remember going from a time where you didn't see any mention of Twitter on social media, or excuse me, on television. And then we started seeing 
where you started hearing mention of social media on television, like, oh, yeah, this person's on Twitter, da, 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 to a place where all you had to do was put the at sign in the person's name, and you knew that that meant that that was their Twitter handle, and you would yeah, go to right. Twitter to mm-hmm. find them there. And mm-hmm. I am curious how that's going to look going forward, because the rest of it's not as simple as that. I don't go to you know, at Micah Sargent and just type that into Mastodon because it doesn't exist in one place. It has to be with your, you know, uh, special or your specific server afterwards. So there's yeah. still a lot. I, I I want almost for like individually, we have the ability to say this is, I mean, and that's what I try to do anyway, is I try to be at Micah Sargent everywhere except on Blue Sky because I was sneaking in. But um, mm-hmm. that's so... I can just say that one thing and then people can go to any service and that's what, what I am there. But yeah. it would be nice if there was a way to make that happen in a way that made sense. I guess that's what personal websites are for because you've got yeah, links true. to all those spots. I remember about.me. That's how I, oh, that's yes, how I had all that me. stuff. I don't even know if that's oh, still man. around. Is that still around? About.me? It Does seems it to be. Uh, yeah. Ooh. Freelancers, okay, maybe, but yeah, it's probably it's evolved. It I looks different. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's an about. This is so random, but I don't think there's an about. Me slash Jason Howell anymore, is there? Oh yeah, there is. <laughs> wow, that is an old page. About me slash. Anyways, it's not like yeah, it's not like I've updated this anytime uh, recently, but uh, yeah. Oh wow, <laughs> I, I have one too, and it's. Wow, I have not touched that. Good, uh, good to right. know that exists. So maybe yeah. uh, it can be manicured. One of the uh, hundreds of plates. Oh, my God. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I mean, this is when I was a uh, technical director, like TD at, uh, at Petaluma. I mean, I was also hosting, but I was also doing a lot of TD stuff at the time. So there you go. That explains that strange look on my face at the TD desk. <laughs> The Brick House Studios. There you go. Look into my eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, you'll find a lot of funny photos of me on the internet. There you go. <laughs> uh, we've reached the end of this episode of Tech News Weekly. It's been a lot of fun. TNW publishes every Thursday at twit.tv slash TNW. Go there. That's where you can subscribe so you get it automatically. You don't have to seek it out anymore. It just appears like magic. It's amazing. You know what else is amazing? Uh, Club Twit at twit.tv slash club twit. If you would like to get every single twit show with no ads, well, join the club. And by that, I don't mean join the club of, you know, people who want to get the shows. with No, no, no I mean join <laughs> club twit because when you do, then you will get every single twit show with no ads. You'll also get access to the twit plus bonus feed that has extra content. You can't find anywhere else behind the scenes before the show, after the show, all that jazz. And you also get access to the discord server. It's only for members there. You can chat with your fellow Club Twit members and also many of us here at Twit hang out there and uh, you can chat with them as well. And, you know, we uh, we try to make the club as valuable as we can. Uh, it starts at $7 a month or $84 a year. Uh, again, at twit.tv slash Club Twit. And I say starts at because we did hear from some folks who said, hey, I would like to give you more than $7 a month. And we said, well, that's nice. Let's make that possible. So you can choose your price starting at $7 a month. And the the great thing is we continue to try to make the club uh, more and more valuable to you. So we have introduced some shows, the Untitled Linux Show, which is a show all about Linux, as well as the uh, Hands-On Windows program. That is Paul Therott's short format show that 
covers Windows tips and tricks, and a show from yours truly called Hands on Mac, which is a short format show all about Apple tips and tricks for various Apple devices. Uh, so please check out the club, join us there, and uh, help keep this network rolling along. It uh, means a lot, those of you who have joined, and uh, it means a lot, those of you who are considering joining. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Uh, if you'd like to follow me online, as I mentioned, I try to be at Micah Sargent on uh, many a social media network, or you can head to chihuahua.coffee, that's C-H-I-H-U-A-H-U-A.coffee, where I've got links to the places I'm most active online. Uh, you can check out my various shows later on today. If you're a Club Twit member, it would be Hands on Mac. We publish that show every Thursday. Um, I'm talking about storage management. And then on Sundays, I co-host Ask the Tech Guys with Leo Laporte, where he and I take your tech questions and answer them on the air, as well as Tuesdays, where I uh, host a show with Rosemary Orchard called iOS Today, which is all about um, Apple mobile devices. So please uh, check those out. Jason Howell, what about you? And you're going to have Ant on the therapist uh, couch this weekend. Oh, that's right. right. Talking about yeah, his, his transition to over to Mac OS. I'm looking forward to that, too. <laughs> Sounds hilarious. Um, I am on uh, twit.social slash at Jason Howell. If you want to find me on Mastodon, you can also find me on Twitter at Jason Howell. I'm just not doing a whole lot of uh, tooting and tweeting these days. I think Same. I keep saying that, but it keeps not happening. Um, so I'll be curious to see kind of the long-term uh, view of how you feel about Blue Sky uh, going forward. Energized about it now, like see in a couple of weeks or a couple of months how you're doing there. Um, and then I will wait my turn because it's not even on Android yet, so I can't do anything. Oh, Anyways, yeah, yeah, I know, cry, cry river. Uh, Twitter.tv slash eight. <laughs> yeah, it's true. There's no app yet. There will be eventually, eventually. But, you know, us Android users, we're used to it. Uh, Twit.tv slash AAA for all about Android. Definitely check out this week's show. We had Florence Ion on and we just had a really fun time. It was a really fantastic episode. So Twit.tv slash AAA. Uh, I was also on This Week in Google yesterday. So Twit.tv slash Twig, check that out. Had a great time. Uh, usually Leo and I aren't on the same panel of, of Twig, but it happened yesterday and we had a blast. So check it out. Uh, big thanks to John Ashley, Burke, uh, John Slanina. I mean, everybody behind the scenes helping us do this show at the Twit Studio each and every week. We could not do this without you and the whole team there. And thanks to you for watching and listening. We couldn't do it without you, too. So we appreciate you watching and listening. We'll see you next time on Tech News Weekly. Bye, everybody. Bye bye. Hey, I'm Rod Pyle, Editor-in-Chief of Ad Astra Magazine, and each week I join with my co-host to bring you This Week in Space, the latest and greatest news from the final frontier. We talk to NASA chiefs, space scientists, engineers, educators, and artists, and sometimes we just shoot the breeze over what's hot and what's not in space, books, and TV. And we do it all for you, our fellow true believers. So whether you're an armchair adventurer or waiting for your turn to grab a slot in Elon's Mars rocket, join us on This Week in Space and be part of the greatest adventure of all time.